0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Christians are, but we're but he is not. And so, to fall short of the grace of God means to not fully benefit, please hear me now, to not fully benefit from all of the fullness of the full definition of God's grace. Let me say it again. To fall short of the grace of God is to not take advantage of the full reality of grace in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what the, the Bible says is falling short of grace. It's like this. If I gave you Sam a car, or Sam and Natalie a car, and I said, do whatever you want with it. Do whatever you want. I'll give you, a, what's your favorite car? Ben's, right? Bentley, Bentley, I don't know. I'm not good with cars either. I gave him the BMW or Bentley, brand new, and I said, Natalie and Sam, I want you, this is my gift, free gift, my gift to you. Watch this. It's going to help you. You can do anything you want with it. Okay, and all you do is turn on the AC and turn on the radio, you know what happens? You have just fallen short of the gift that I gave you. Do you hear what I just said? If I give you a new car and I say, do whatever you want with it, you could drive it to Alaska, you could put, speak, whatever, it's yours. And all you do is turn on the radio of that car and never drive it, just turn on the radio and AC, you have fallen short of the gift I've given you. Do you realize that this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying? You are not taking advantage of the full reality of the free gift that I give you. You're only seeing it up to here when it's like this. You're, you're falling short. And because you fall short, ready? Because you're falling short of the fullness of my grace, that's why you're giving into bitterness and deception and offense. Because it says it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Make Looking carefully lest you fall short of the grace of God. And then after that, he says, then you'll, you'll see the, the, the fullness of God come. Actually, as a matter of fact, in that same chapter, if you read one of the last verses, verse 28, look at, look at that same chapter. Look at how the power of grace is the ability to live right. Say live right. Yes. Some of you guys today, you need to appropriate the grace of God in your life. I'm serious. If you're living a frustrated life and always falling, always falling, there is grace. Overcome, but his grace is meant to live a victorious life. Can I hear an amen? Look at verse 28. Are you there? It's up on the screen. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have what? Come on, shout at me for a second. Let us have what? One more time. Let us have what? One more time. Let us have what? Why do we need grace? Is the very next sentence by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. God, you never saw that, did you? Let us, listen, listen. Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. He didn't just say let us have the the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent us. He said, let us have the fullness of grace by which, in other words, grace gives you this, the ability to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The fear of the Lord comes by understanding his grace, not the American version of grace is a license to sin. It's the opposite. The opposite revelation, the the true revelation of grace, when you realize it's the empowerment to live the Christian life in victory and in fullness, it will actually bring you godly fear, not a license to say, Woohoo, God's grace is here. Do whatever you want, party it up. I'm getting little amens on this one. You will be happy, say happy, once you get a revelation of grace. I, you know what? I'm appropriating grace this morning. I have three hours of sleep because I was in excruciating pain. And I'm preaching on grace. I'm thinking, Lord, I need your grace. And listen, I'm going to say something. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Sometimes here's what grace does. Grace is going to heal you. It's going to help you. Grace doesn't fully eliminate your present condition, but it empowers you to go through it. It doesn't eliminate your current circumstance. Grace is the sustainability for you not to give up so that he can work godly character in you and I. Oh, I'm preaching good here. And I'm going to prove it by scripture so you won't think it's just a cool phrase that PG said. (laughs) What happens when we undersell grace... we have, we have undersold grace because the church has sometimes have been so legalistic that we thought grace was only to liberate us from legalism. And it is. Thank God grace liberates from legalism. You have some churches that say girls can't wear pants or they're going to go to hell. That's legalism. Grace says, no, you don't. Wear jeans. Make sure you don't make other people stumble. But your heart is what I'm after. But in the attempt to free us from legalism, we thought that grace is only separating us from legalism. And we stopped appropriating the power of grace to help us to live a Christian life. Now, I have a news for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to shout this morning? You were saved by grace, right? Saved by grace? Here's a statement for you. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that keeps you. you. It's not a different grace. It's not... Here's a salvation grace, and let let me go, pull in my bucket a different grace, and let me put it over here to sustain. You know, the same grace that set you... For, uh, let me just say this. How many of you were in darkness, deep darkness, before you got saved? The power of his grace... Was so strong that it bypassed your darkness, your your evilness, your whatever it is that it was so hard for man to get through to you, but God did. Don't you think if He saved you from darkness, He can't sustain you while you're living for God? The same grace that saved you out of darkness is the same grace that keeps you while you're saved. Say the same grace that saved me. It's the same grace that keeps me. One more time. Same grace that saves me. It's the same grace that keeps me. Oh, this is good. How does grace keep you? I want to give you a couple of things. Grace keeps you in the midst of trials and tribulations. Oh, man. Grace keeps you in the midst of trials and tribulations so that you won't get a wrong perception of who God is because of your trial grace will allow you to say no God is still good I'm going to go through this a lot of us want a stuff on a silver platter and we want everything to be removed as soon as it happens I'm not gonna lie I'm like Lord take this thing now take this earache out and I'm not I'm so impatient I'm like I wanted to be healed right now well, it may take a couple of days, but guess what? During those couple of days, He will strengthen me so I can learn faith and obedience. Many of us, we want shortcuts, but it's in that waiting process that grace sustains us. How do I know this? Paul the Apostle, oh, this is so good. You're going to get this. Faith sustains you in the trial. Say, trial. Financial trial, marital trial, relational trial, personal trials. We need to start appropriating the grace of God. If not, you know what's going to happen? We'll become a bunch of spoiled brats. I can't believe it. I ain't going to go to church anymore. I'm just, I'm just so faithful and all these things happen. The grace of God is there to sustain you. Not to remove some of the things that are happening. Is the grace of God will sustain you. Look, look at me for a second. If anybody had the privilege or the right to ask God to remove something from him, it would be the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and went to the third heaven. How many of us have that same resume? <laughs> How many of you in your, jo- in your Christian job interview, you say, hey, so what have you done for the Lord? Well, I mean, not that much. I mean, wrote two-thirds of the holy scriptures that are there forever for everybody, and I went to the third heaven, and I heard things that I wasn't commanded to say to anybody, but I mean, that's it. That's, that's, not, that's not much. If anybody had an opportunity to say, hey, God, you know, I'm going through something. I went to the third heaven. I wrote two-thirds of your holy book. Can you just remove something from me, please, real quick? It was him, and he didn't. But his grace was there. Look at 2 Corinthians. I feel the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 12. I I just felt the Holy Spirit there. It's in the ESV. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you guys excited? Look at this. In the ESV version. Look at what Paul the Apostle told the readers, and he was telling the Lord about his trials. Paul the Apostle had trials? Oh, my goodness. And make your trials look like pancakes. I mean, we think our problems are bad. He got stoned. My man got stoned, and then rose again. He, got, he was naked. Can you imagine running around naked, trying to minister the gospel? Say, so, hey, guys, sorry. You know, just, I just got robbed over there. Can I get some clothes? Naked, hungry, fasting. While he's in jail, he's writing, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He's in jail, and he's like, I'm chained, but the word of God is not chained. That's what he said. Now look at this. So, to keep, verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited, because Paul had a lot of revelations. Uh, by the way, a little pause. A lot of revelation could get you conceited if you're not humble. A lot of wisdom could get you conceited and prideful, so God uses his grace to pop that bubble. Look, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, that statement in itself is prideful. I have had so many revelations, guys. I am just so anointed right now. I, I mean, I, I mean, I blow you guys away in the revelations that I have. Look, look at this. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn. Oh God. Listen, nobody knows what that thorn is to this day. Theologians have speculated what it is, but nobody knows what that thorn could have been. It could have been a little illness. It could have been a frustration. It could have been a trial of somebody mocking his ministry constantly. It could have been relational problems with coworkers and it was just a thorn on his side. How many have thorns on your side? Don't elbow your spouse. (laughs) Maybe that's one too. But A thorn... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so look <laughs> a thorn was given to me say a thorn listen a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited look at me three times this is the apostle Paul he, he went to the third heaven he wrote two thirds of the new testament Three times I begged God to remove it. Lord, please remove it. If anyone listen to me, I have wrote two-thirds of your scripture. I'm very close to you. Remove it. Three times I asked the Lord to, to remove this thing that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, say grace. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Look at the very next word for my power. Say power. Do you see that? My grace, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power. So he's connotating his grace with his power. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. Therefore, I will boast all the more uh, in my weakness so that the power power of Christ may rest on me. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to remove what you go through. He's going to give you grace to go through it so that he is strong while you are weak because in his weakness he is made strong. (laughs) Look at the same verse in NLT. Put it up in NLT. The same verse, I like how NLT, because this one gets you right to the heart. Paul the Apostle in NLT, same verse, says this. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Look at me for a second. How many, how many times have we begged God to take something away? Come on, let's just be honest. Have we gotten offended when it doesn't get away? But you're still standing. What made you still be here? What made you still keep going? What made, we may have not felt this supernatural presence on you, but the fact that you're saying something is driving me to not give up because I'm going to be stronger. Look at that. Three times I begged the Lord. Now watch this. I love how the NLT reads. Jesus said, but he said, my grace is all you need. In other words, you don't need a supplemental power. You don't need a supplemental side thing to get the thorn away from you of your finances and your marital problems. You don't need all these seminars and conferences, all these supplemental things. My grace is all you need, period. But how about this? My grace is all you need. But no, no, but how about, you know, this other, other reality? My grace is all you need. Paul, the apost- Jesus told Paul, Paul, I know, I know, I know you have thorns. I know you're going through something. I know you're crying out to me. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm answering the same way every time you come to me, Paul. Take it away. I'm tired of this. My grace. What? My sickness. My grace. My job. My grace. My grace is all you need. So his grace is all that you need. If God's grace was enough for a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and was going through great trial. His grace is all we need in 2016. He never changes. Not only does God's grace keep you, listen, in the midst of trials with a pure heart, right? God's grace, now this is powerful. You guys are going to shout because some of you guys don't know that this is, this is a direct result of grace. The power of grace, remember I said the same grace that uh, saves you the same way grace that keeps you? The same grace that keeps you is not only keeping you from tri- in trials and in tribulation, it also keeps you from turning to ungodliness. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to prove it by scripture. The grace of God keeps you and actually teaches you, It's a tutor, to say no to ungodliness. Pastor George, I have never heard that in my life. I have never heard that the grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness. Well, I'm glad you said that. In the, in the book of Titus, chapter 2, in the NIV version, look at what it says. In your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. Look at what the Bible says in Titus 2. Are you guys ready for this? Are you getting something this morning? Worship team, you guys could come up here. We could have the worship team with Edwin and, and uh, Christine to come up. Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. Are you there? Say amen. Titus, chapter 2. But Kyle, if you could get some of the worship team here. Look at what it says here. Are you there? For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to people. Okay, so we know that. Grace offers salvation. Look at this. The grace of God, what does it say? It teaches us to what? I can't hear you. It teaches us, is it up there? Okay. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say what? To what? What? The grace of God has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no. Do you realize the power of grace is much more than salvation? It is the empowerment to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us. Listen, look at this. Don't you know that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Oh, how we need that in this present age of American Christianity. And listen, listen. What does grace do according to this verse? It teaches us to say no. Some people say, I, I just can't stop sinning. I just, I just can't stop. Yes, you can. If you truly understood the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you through the grace of God, and you invoke and invite the grace of God to help you in your infirmities and your and your habits, I'm telling you, it will teach you to say no. It's strength to say no. Listen, if God said it, that means it's possible. If God says that the grace of God teach, think about it. Think about a teacher. Over and over, nope, that's not the way to do it. I remember when I used to, back in the day, my, my ancient days of going to high school, we had typewriters, glory to God. That was a long time ago. And you know how they taught us to do typing? F, 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 space. F, 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 F ding. K, 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 space. How many, how many, remember, how many of that? All the 40 and up, you just, you just said your age. Or 35 and up. Now it's all like 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 YouTube or computers, whatever. But I was like, after like the fifth letter, I was like, K, 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 But here's the thing. It was meticulous, it was repetitive. And let me tell you, I only took four months of it, and I'm a, I'm a great typer. Why? Because it was the teacher drilled me over. Nope. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. K, 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 F, 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 Space, and, and And finally, I was like, You know, the grace of God says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. You're going to get it. You fall again. No, 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 no. Come on. Ungodliness. No, no, no. It's okay. No, no. Space. No, no. It teaches you the grace of God to turn away from ungodliness. Don't tell me you have a defeated life because you've fallen short of the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. It teaches us. Say, it teaches me. It teaches me. We need God's grace more than ever in this age. Don't define the grace of God by the popular mainstream of grace that only defines one aspect of grace, of forgiveness of sins and all that. That's true. But how many are are living a frustrated life because they don't know that grace is also the empowerment of God? Hello? 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 Last scripture. The grace of the Lord strengthens us to resist the devil and demonic powers. Not only does it get, it's going to be up on the screen. The grace of the Lord strengthens us to resist the devil. Say the devil. You don't hear that word preaching churches anymore. The devil? Don't say the devil. No, the worst thing that you could do for your Christian life is to eliminate the reality that there's demonic powers. Or to eliminate the reality that there is a devil. I mean, if I had a person behind me with a baseball bat creeping up on me and about to swing, and you go, P.G., stop, turn around. I go, I don't believe that, brother. That's just in your head. I'm going to get knocked out. I think the greatest um, service we give to the devil is to ignore the reality that he exists. We're not trying to worship him. We're not trying to give him credit. But you have to understand that the Bible says. Do you know that you that you are you and your person that you don't belong well with? That you, that's not your enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against people, against flesh and blood. Yeah, you may have beef with them, but that's not the true enemy. He says you wrestle against demonic power, principality in high places. But you don't understand. This person has said mean things to me. I understand. They're being agents of the enemy at that moment. They may not even know it themselves. So why not, instead of attacking the man or the woman, why not attack the root of their behavior? I understand a lot of it is your flesh. A lot of it is your own emotional thing. But there's, there is demonic powers in the world. There are demonic forces that seek you. Now now watch. I'm going to close with this because this is powerful. I can tell you're getting something now. James chapter 4. Oh, this is good. I feel the presence of God. Do you? James chapter 4, this last scripture. I've read this a million times, guys. I can't tell you how fresh in studying grace that this is in my life right now. James chapter 4, verse 6. If you're there, say amen. It's going to be up on the screen. But... God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, now look, I want you to piece this together. Piece it. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's a requirement here in this case. He gives more grace to those who humble themselves and say, I need grace. Right? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm going to preach good right now. I've read this scripture a million times, and we always focus on the resisting part instead of the empowering, empowering to resist. We've always said, resist and submit, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Yes, we know that. Now, if, if there wasn't a devil to resist, why would the book of James say, resist the devil? Why, why would he just, in these cookie-cutter churches that we're, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say, these cookie-cutter churches that are in America, I love them, but they don't address some of these things for fear of offending people. He's, James says, he says, he gives more, now, now you won't understand this verse, what I just told you, unless you understood about three or four or five verses before. You know what, three or four or five verses before, I'm not going to show it in your own time, you can, you can read it, but I'm going to give you a recap. Three or four or five verses before God says, I give grace, more grace to the humble. He was actually talking about the dangers of Christian people succumbing to worldly carnal desires that were fueled by the devil. If you read it, he 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 keeps saying, he said don't he who loves the world is is an enemy towards God. He says it all in chapter 4. If you love the world and and all these things you're you make yourself an enemy to God. So before he even said I give grace, he's talking about the dangers of Christian people, those who call themselves sons and daughters of God, The dangers of being enticed into a carnal, worldly, consistent lifestyle. Then he says this after he ends that, he says, But, oh, this is good, but God gives more grace. Think about that. God gives more grace, and he says, He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Your ability to submit to God and resist the devil comes through the dispensation of grace to the humble. Why? Would you say, Pastor George, I don't I don't get that, I don't receive that. He says he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So what does that mean? That means the prideful person says, I don't need. I don't know why I'm not getting free from this, uh, this addiction. I don't know why I'm getting enough free. I don't know why. And, and God, you would think he would respond like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry, I'm here. You know, he's like, he's actually talking about a different type of pride. Pride that says, I'm not fully appropriating the power of God because I'm trying to do it myself. So he's basically saying, stop being an excuse of why you're living this way. I give grace, and that's my empowerment. And if I give grace to the humble then you will resist the devil and then he'll flee but if you don't then you're going to fall so that means that there's no excuse for anyone here to have fall short of worldly lifestyle over and over because he gives grace to the humble if you're prideful and said I don't need this I got this on my own then there's little grace for you but when you say I'm humble I need this I know I'm weak I know I'm, I'm, I'm needy I need your grace then he says then that empowerment will come and you will resist the devil and he will flee and keep resisting keep resisting, keep resisting, and he'll keep fleeing, keep fleeing, keep fleeing. Come on, stand up to your feet. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.